The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. U.S. job openings in October fell to the lowest level since March of 2021. It adds to evidence that the labor market is cooling, and it reinforces market expectations that the Fed will be able to cut interest rates next year. We heard from Allianz Chief Economic Advisor Mohamed El Arian. He says financial markets are wrong to expect imminent cuts. I do believe that the Fed is done raising rates, but I don't think they will validate what's currently priced in by the markets in terms of rate cuts next year. El Arian also warned that the Fed needs to recover what he thinks is a bit of lost credibility on forward guidance with the markets. Otherwise, he thinks the recent loosening of financial conditions will undermine Fed policy going forward. Meantime, the head of Bank of America, Brian Moynihan, was saying he still expects a soft landing rather than a recession here in the U.S. Here's Moynihan speaking at the Goldman Sachs U.S. Financial Services Conference. The reality is it's going to be a slowdown, but we have it as being positive. The way customers are spending their money is leveled out. In other words, there's not this, you know, goods, service, this massive change. So some things are growing faster, but it's leveled out, meaning that all the categories are kind of growing plus or minus the average. And so that's all good news that the economy is normalized. That is Brian Moynihan, the CEO of Bank of America. By the way, his uh, remarks kind of track with some of the recent data points that we've been talking about. American consumers have been pulling back on their spending, particularly for big ticket items, as borrowing costs remain elevated. Brian? Well, Goldman Sachs says it'll probably see compensation costs rise, even as the bank is set to post another year of slumping profits. Here's CFO Dennis Coleman. On the comp side, our perspective will remain um, you know, very much paid for performance, um, but recognizing uh, the performance of some of those core businesses, I would say on a you know, comp and benefit expense basis, I'd expect us to be up low to single digits for the full year. Goldman's top leaders have focused more attention on the bonus pool after saying that last year's pay slump contributed to public sniping, and a lot of that was targeted at CEO David Solomon. This year's pay decisions also signal a more measured move after two consecutive years of wild swings in compensation. Moody's Investor Service has cut China's credit outlook. We have a little bit more from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. Moody's lowered its outlook for Chinese sovereign bonds to negative, underscoring deepening global concerns about the level of debt in the world's second largest economy. Moody's cites China's use of fiscal stimulus to support local governments and its spiraling property downturn, adding that they pose risks to the economy. China says it is disappointed by Moody's decision and that its economy will be highly resilient and has large potential. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Radio. Now, here's a bit of a perplexing one for you. Saudi Arabia has slashed its crude oil prices to Asia by the most since February. And that's even as it's cutting production along with its allies to try to boost prices elsewhere. 
That's why I say it's a complicated story. Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann here is to explain. Saudi Aramco lowered its flagship Arab Lights price for January by 50 cents, is now priced at $3.50 a barrel more than the benchmark. The cut was less than the market estimated, but it's the first reduction since June. The cut marks a concession that nearby markets have weakened as supplies surge from non-OPEC producers. In particular, Saudi Arabia is facing heated competition of cheaper sweet crudes. In addition to cutting prices to Asia, Saudi Arabia is also trimming some supplies to the U.S. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Radio. Volkswagen says independent auditors have found no sign of forced labor at the company's joint venture plant in Xinjiang. We have more from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong in Hong Kong. Volkswagen's Berlin-based consultancy Lunning audited the facility in Urumqi last month and that no evidence of forced labor was found. The Urumqi plant does not actually manufacture any vehicles. It handles quality control for vehicles already assembled. Last year, the UN's top human rights official found that China had committed serious human rights abuses in Xinjiang. Volkswagen's connection to the controversy has had financial market consequences. A downgrade forced several institutional investors to back away from VW stock. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Radio. Now it's time for global news. Israel is rebuffing calls for it to halt its campaign in Gaza as its forces continue to push south. Ed Baxter with the story and more from the 960 newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, that's right, Brian. The UN has said there is not a safe refuge in Gaza and has called on Israel to stop the attack. So response? Well, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is calling out human rights groups for failure to speak out about the rape and mutilation of Israeli women at the hands of Hamas. I say to the women's rights organizations to the human rights organizations you've heard of the rape of israeli women horrible atrocities sexual mutilation where the hell are you i expect all civilized leaders governments nations to speak up against this atrocity he says for the war to end quickly the globe must stand with israel bloomberg's nick wadham says the u.s is applying pressure for the bloodshed to end so this is in response to pressure from the u.s and others essentially saying listen you got to wrap this up because international support will not be able to be sustained so israel really pushing back and saying we are going to take as long as we need to eradicate hamas and Netanyahu advisor Mark Redgev on Bloomberg's balance of power today said they are taking precautions. As the fighting now starts, we've kept a, a humanitarian corridor open so people who would late to move out can still move out. We simply don't want to see civilians caught up in the crossfire. And IDF spokesman Lieutenant Colonel Richard Heck says the campaign will continue but is targeting operatives and not civilians. While we've been operating, we are ensuring that there is minimum harm to civilians with soldiers on the ground going from building to building. Now, U.S. President Joe Biden has come out and said uh, international organizations should forcefully condemn the violent acts committed by Hamas. Israel also has said today that it would consider another short-term ceasefire in an agreement if it can be reached with Hamas to return more of its 137 hostages still in captivity. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has canceled his address to the U.S. Senate as negotiations have stalled on the $61 billion new weaponry and other aid. The White House said uh, that it could completely run out of resources to assist Ukraine by the end of the calendar year. Some 400 military officers have been confirmed by the Senate today after Senator Tommy Tuberville lifted his confirmation blockade. It did leave out some two dozen or so four-star positions, so it doesn't deal with 
leadership near the top. And the Pentagon says it's encouraged, but spokesman Brigadier General Pat Ryder says normalizing will take some time. It's not like just flipping a switch. When people can move, um, where the, the people that are moving out of the positions are going, and so all that has to be carefully orchestrated and done in a way that enables us to continue to conduct the operations uh, without having significant impact, not only on the mission, but also on the individual family members. Ryder says unclear how long it'll take. And President Joe Biden at a campaign fundraiser in Massachusetts today said, quote, if Trump wasn't running, I'm not sure I'd be running. Bloomberg's Wendy Benjamin says a bit of an odd thing to say, noting that uh, polling has shown that voters are worried about his age, that voters are worried about his ability to beat Trump this time. And so I think that I that's not the kind of messaging that if I were his PR people, I would be thrilled with. Global News, 24 hours a day, whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Vonnie Quinn and Doug Krisner. And Michael McKee joins us, Bloomberg's international economics and policy correspondent, to take a closer look at the U.S. economy. So it's always confusing, but it's great to have you on to help explain things. This jolts number was down, but it's still pretty high, all things considered. Uh, we did have prices moderating in the in the service sector data. And taken together, the market thinks that the Fed perhaps will be able to start cutting next year. Um, how is the market kind of responding to this data, Mike? The market took the data as good news. Uh, the idea that it is maybe getting closer to a soft landing because of this, the Fed's been looking for a decline in job openings to help uh, make the case that the labor market is getting a little bit looser and that'll take some of the wage pressure off the economy. And the jolts number came in much lower than anybody anticipated. It is worthwhile to remember, though, as you pointed out, that it is still at 8,733,000, uh, still about 3 million higher than the average before the pandemic. So there's still a lot of job openings, but it is progress in the direction the Fed wants to see. Yeah, it's interesting how much volatility we're seeing in treasuries, Michael. I mean, the tenure is above 5%, literally just little more than a month ago and we're below 420 now it's a massive move but i guess it's kind of to be expected given what markets are repricing uh, markets are uh, prone to overreact to things and it will be interesting to see over the next few days when we get the jobs report on friday and we get the cpi report next tuesday uh, how they react to whatever data comes out then uh, suppose we have a little bit higher inflation <laughs> they might change their minds uh, the Fed's going to look past that for the time being, and they can't do anything about the volatility. And they still see delayed lag impacts on the economy from their own uh, raising of interest rates. So at this point, uh, you just kind of got to watch and see what happens. There's almost no way to predict 
what's going to happen other than to say that the, the way the market is pricing the Fed is probably not going to happen uh, because markets change all the time. We have plenty of people pushing back against uh, the Fed, maybe cutting as early as March. I mean, that's not consensus yet. I think Doug said it was uh, in the uh, swaps market, a 60% likelihood that it's more likely around May. Uh, Mohammed El Arian says the Fed needs to recover its credibility. Uh, tell us more about uh, your interpretation of his comments. Well, I think what he's talking about is that the Fed has not, well, back up and say the Fed stopped giving forward guidance. And so the markets are kind of trying to figure things out on their own, looking for clues in Fed's official statements. And last Friday, when Chairman Jay Powell spoke, he talked about uh, the Fed having rates in very restrictive territory, which was a new way uh, of expressing it for him and suggested that the Fed was done raising rates. And then he sort of softened the way he talked about rate cuts thing that they they're not ready to uh do rate cuts he was much firmer on that at the fed's last news conference and so uh, the market decided to price in a significant amount of uh of cutting and moved it up the only thing is is this is it's sort of one of those unknowable things at this point it's really going to depend yeah. on how fast inflation comes down and or whether you get uh, recession doesn't look like a recession in the numbers that we're seeing right now. We'll see how inflation behaves. We get another CPI report next Tuesday. Well, Michael, it's always interesting to have think pieces and what ifs and so on. And our Christine Aquino did a very interesting one on our M Live blog today, talking about the nearly 130 basis points of reductions that rates traders are seeing over the next year. That that would only reverse a quarter of the Fed tightening we've seen since March of 2022, and she compared it a little bit with what we would have seen in 2007, 2008, as well as 2019 and 20. Is it fair to do that? Are conditions at all similar from a Federal Reserve point of view, given that on the one hand, we had a housing crisis and on the other hand, we had COVID-19? Uh, conditions are not the same, certainly. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic created an economic situation unlike anything ever seen before. There were no models for central bankers here or anywhere else to follow and try to figure out what was going to happen. When inflation took off, the Fed realized it had to react quickly or it could face a situation like the 1970s where inflation got out of control because people didn't think the Fed would act. So now they have raised rates. Before the pandemic, we were at zero. Is that the right place to be? Uh, probably not. <laughs> so when rates start coming down, they won't come down as far as they had. The issue is going to be where does the Fed think the neutral rate is? For a long time, they've said two and a half percent. It might be a little higher than that if the economy continues to grow strongly. But the days of a zero percent interest rate from the Fed, those are done. So then it becomes a question, as Christine pointed out, of where do you set the rate? And then the question will be in the markets of how are you setting the rate? It's so hard to predict going forward. Just a month and a half ago, it was consensus that we'd get a rate a hike uh, at sometime at the end of the year, November or December. That looks, you know, not likely now. Um, but I guess everything's relative on Wall Street. So you have to make these predictions, but just don't take them so seriously. Well, it's, it's funny because the Fed makes predictions once every three months. 
the markets make predictions you could say every second of the day. Yeah. And yeah. they're constantly changing their minds. So the Fed and uh, economists don't take market moves completely seriously. As the famous economist Yogi Berra once said, predictions are hard, especially about the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Mike, thanks very much. Michael McKee, Bloomberg International Economics and Policy Correspondent. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.